Hello, listeners. This is your host, Aaron Lammer, breaking the fourth wall for a special announcement. I am doing a book based on this show. It'll be out from 10 Speed. I am deep into working on it. I'm really excited about it. I hope you all uh, read it. I think if you're interested in the show, you will be interested in uh, many of the things in the book. Um, It is taking up a lot of my time, and it is due sooner than I thought. So um, no new episode this week. During the holidays, I'm going to rerun a few episodes, um, a few of my favorites from the first season. So let's see. We did 26 episodes in the first season. Uh, We are now, I think, 16 episodes into the second season. Going to take a short break so I can write this book, and then we will be back with new episodes when the book comes out, or maybe even a little bit before that, uh, as time allows. So Stoner is not going anywhere big 2019 coming uh if you have questions things that you even think could you could contribute uh to the book the book is going to be an overview of this whole weird world of semi-legal american marijuana things you need to know things you don't need to know lots of things i learned from the guests on this show so uh, i'm going to rerun some of the episodes that were my favorites but if there's favorites of yours Send me an email, hi at stoner.co, and I am definitely listening to um, guest suggestions, both people I should interview while I'm getting ready for the book and people that you'd like to hear uh, in the next run of Stoner. So thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Be back soon. That's the end of the special announcement. Uh, I'm going to play one of my favorite episodes here from um, from the first run of the show uh, with my friend Francis Starlight. Uh This is now a little bit dated. He's done lots of stuff since then, but it's still a great interview, and I hope you like it. Welcome, Francis Starlight. Thank you for having me, Aaron Lammer. Uh, Well, I've been looking forward to this. So have I. Tell us a little bit, before before we do anything, uh, tell me who you are. Okay. What do you do do with your life? All right. Uh, My name is Francis. Uh, I'm a musician, and uh, I write songs. I perform them. I record them. I um, make music videos, release them. Yeah. And um, that's about it. And you've been doing this for how much of your life? I've been uh, doing the, those things um, since I, w- I guess I would say since I was uh, about 19 years old. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been playing music and, and, and writing music and in one form or another since I was a very young child. Yeah. Yeah. And what have you been... Uh, what has happened with your music in the last couple years? In the last couple years, I, I think it's reached a wider audience than it ever had before. Yeah. I'm interested um, in talking about your whole story and how you got to where you are, yeah. but also how your life has changed a lot dramatically in several ways um, in the last couple years, coinciding, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, with changes around uh, marijuana usage. That is true. But I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay, all right. So I want to I want to take you back. Take me back. Uh, we're both from the same town. We're That's both true. from Berkeley, California. Yes. So full disclosure, we've known each other since how how old do you, how long do you think we've known each I'd other? I'd put since? it around six years old. Six to seven years old. Yeah. We went to the same elementary school. Um, we also the, the that will uh, other things will cross paths, uh, of course, across the course of this story. Um, but for you. 
I actually don't know the answer to this question. All right. Uh, when was the first time you ever tried marijuana? Um, the first time was at a jazz summer camp. Yeah. Jazz-based summer camp, uh, which was in Northern California. So what goes down what goes down at jazz camp generally? <laughs> well, okay, first of all, if I remember correctly, you had a real strange mix of of people, young and old. Yeah. Um, and there were these are the kinds of people that were attending the camp. Yeah. Kids like me who wanted to uh, who wanted to excel at in jazz. their jazz studies become jazz champions <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh become man. Top, that, that top state ranked jazz champions the world that that i like was in in that point was so uh was such a competition yeah it was based on competition and this camp was based it was like are you going to be in the jazz combo a or the jazz combo c yeah. you know yeah. and you want you know so that was that was uh, so there were kids like that. Then there were adults yeah. who were trying to rediscover some form, some kind of like fall back in love yeah, with, it, with, the, yeah. with the mute, with expression and like yeah. music and shit. And that, and it was in the woods. Yeah. And I think I slept in a tent. I know I did actually. A te- that tent that I brought myself. This was a very beautiful thing about this place though. There were pianos all over the grounds outside that had like heaters in them. And they were uh, tuned like every other day by an on-site piano tuner. Okay, so you're at the jazz And then camp. there were some cool kids. Oh, and some cool kids. Yeah. And they were there. Always the most important like mystery. I feel like uh, the, 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 the always evolving concept of the cool kids is like a, it's a major driving force in life. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. So were the cool kids older than you or were they just cooler than you? They were just cooler than me. Yeah. They were like, uh, and they were, they were like, I don't know, like, how did they end up there? Like this, there's a couple, there were like two, there was like two guys who like played in like punk bands yeah, and like somehow they were there, like this guy played bass and he was like, he was there and he was kind of like laughing the whole way, sort of, <laughs> you know, but he was kind of into it, like learning some shit, but you know, we were all like 14, 15, yeah. 16, 17. And there were some straggling sort of mid twenties. There was this one dude who who uh, befriended me, who was also a piano player, whose name was Leon, and he like he was a jazz piano player and like trying to be an actually jazz piano player and like had he was a strange strange guy and talked me down when I got high for the first time. So um, how did it go? How what what happened? What was it like? So I. Uh, was hanging out with the cool kids. Yeah. And we smoked some weed. And I remember a few things about it. I remember um, leaving the group because I felt like I was experiencing something that they weren't experiencing. And I certainly wasn't having the same fun time that they were. Yeah. And and then I got in my own head quite a bit, Mm -hmm. got scared that I was going crazy. And then after kind of wandering around for a while, I um, started looking for help. And <laughs> among the things I did, I think I called my mom. <laughs> wow. I think, I don't know how I did though, because there weren't <laughs> cell phones. But, like I didn't have a cell phone. So from like the like, lo- the like lodge phone? Something like that. Yeah. I also contacted the, uh, the um, woman who ran the camp. 
And what were you telling these people when you got in touch with I them? I told them that I had smoked uh, weed and yeah. that I was freaking out, I guess, yeah. or that I was like, I didn't know what was going on, that I was scared. I mean, like, I don't know, like I, it's embarrassing to talk about. Well, it's, you know, I, it seems at the time, I'm, I mean, you probably told me the story when we were like <laughs> 17 or something. It was only like two years old, but it seemed old at the time. And it, then it seemed embarrassing. Now it seems to seem to me to be just like a like a nightmare. Like it's just like a it's yeah. like a worst possible case experience. Yeah. Um, but also, did it did that experience like give you any kind of insight into yourself or or yeah. change your your the way your mind worked at all? Well, I remember um, when when I finally uh, found Leon. Yeah. And I told him what had happened, and he was like, "Oh, you're just like too high." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, Oh, I'll, I'll help you out. Yeah. He's like, let's, let's go to your tent and like, you know, uh, lie down and you know, you're going to want to go to sleep and you're going to be okay in the morning. You're going to feel better in the morning. And like he, and then he sat outside my tent the entire, for like a couple hours probably. Yeah. While I was like, you know, trying to verify what was going on. And, and I remember that being like, he was really taking care of me. And he knew what was going on. And I remember feeling some sort of, it just really stayed with me, you know? Yeah. Like it stayed with me that like, I wish I could say that I had some insight into myself that wasn't just like, Terror. I am now scared <laughs> of smoking weed. You right, know? sure. I mean, that's a, that's a profound experience to have. I mean, it was the first time that I, it was the first time that I felt not in control of my own mind. Yeah, sure. And uh, and is that a theme in your in your life yes. going forward? Yeah. I suppose so. Was I mean I, I don't I don't mean that as a in a callous way. I mean that in like a um like when I knew you when we were teenagers, you were like a very like gregarious, like performing, like like me and you used to go to like juggling camp together, <laughs> you know? Yes. And then I like I also know you like among people who've known you as an adult, you're like a more introverted, um, withdrawn, less social right. person overall. Yes. And if I were to like sort of pinpoint the times when I, I could kind of like see you like shifting, I would think of this as like as like one of the scenes in that movie or yeah, something. Sure. Um and also like it's ironic that this is like a music camp mm -hmm. because I think um music has represented like both of those poles mm -hmm. for you mm -hmm. and um in some ways like the person that i knew you as when we were a kid is like the most evident when you're on stage mm. but i sometimes think that um when you're off stage people have like a very different impression of you than the person that i've like known for a long time and, you know i'm curious like I certainly knew like when we were in college a few times, <laughs> I remember one time we were, we were, so me and you started a band when we were in college. Yes. Um, we started writing songs together. Started writing we started, songs together. It's yeah. like calling it a band is like. It's shorthand. It's a little hubris. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little bit more. <laughs> hey man, I respect more, you for your hubris. A little more, giving a little more credit. Than the you didn't always used to take so, so much, uh, so much pride in it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Uh, we started writing songs in college, and I remember one time we you were performing some of the songs we were written, and you had like terrible allergies. <laughs> you, have, you have like horrific out like pollen allergies, and your eyes were just like blazing red. And I just remember like talking to people, and they were all like, "This guy is on so many drugs. Yeah. Like this guy is like living on the deepest druggy edge." 
in actuality, you were doing no drugs, no drugs. for almost the entire time uh, from college till now. True. Uh, till like wh- three years ago. What's it like living years. where people assume that you're on drugs and you're not on? I mean, are you are you conscious of of people thinking that? Yeah, I think that uh, I first of all I loved that when people thought that about me. Yeah. For some reason. And because I didn't want them to know about the allergies. <laughs> <laughs> like you described me as a child as being gregarious and uh like always performing and um like we were like I was juggling and I was yeah. Well, we were both juggling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I probably roped you into it, though. No, no. I, I, I was you treating you like the cool, the cool kid. I yeah, was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, all right, juggling's where it's at. I think I could pick the skill yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Um, always, always wanted to uh, like go crazy and like be wild and like yeah, um, fucking sing and dance. Yeah, and um, be the like MC at the like uh, after school show and yeah. like. All of the above, you know, yeah. like I always, always was completely into that, wanted to do that. Yeah. And what that really is, what one of the other consequences of that is being, being separating yourself from everybody else, you know, like want, wanting to be different Yeah, and wanting to be, um, for people, I don't know whether you, whether you want people to like talk about you, uh, you know, like, you know, I don't know whether that's like the early, like wanting to be famous or like wanting to be. I've always wanted to be different. Yeah. And I've always felt different. Yeah. And I've always felt like the more different I am, the better. I don't know how long ago it was, but I remember at a certain point you you left New York. Yes. And sometime around then you ended up leaving New York permanently and and moving away and and trying weed again for the first time. Yes. Is that right? That's correct. Is my chronology correct? Yes. I I mean I had tried it a couple other times on the road. Okay, well, I got. I have to yeah. rewind here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're like you're a musician all these years. Yes. Like, and you're hanging out with like Drake, like um, Drake's crew. You toured with MGMT. <laughs> you must have been exposed to a lot of weed. Yes. Like a lot of weed. Yes. What were like? What was it like watching all of that? And what was it like being like the one guy who did not smoke weed in that whole world? Um, it was always super duper easy for me to not smoke weed because I just knew that it that it wasn't for me. Yeah, you knew it was like a lit powder keg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was like every time I would try it, it was just like Oh, so you would more try evidence. it. Well, like well, no, only like once or twice. Yeah. You know? And you had bad and bad experiences. The same yeah. you, you called the camp counselor. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you were right back at jazz camp. Yep. Had to be talked down like, yeah. enough to go to sleep. Yeah. I always I always thought it I always had a positive feeling about it. Yeah. You know? So you weren't like judgy. No, no, no. No, I mean, the only time I got judgy was like when we would be trying to write songs and like, (laughs) you would like, that's going to be my next question. You would forget like something that like I had just said or something like that. Yeah. But even then, like I didn't realize that it was because it was like just because you've been smoking the whole time. Yeah. You know, like I didn't even put it all together. Like, you know, right. Because you had no real experience experience. with what being high was like. Yeah. 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 I I think I was like relatively indifferent to it. I remember like the kids that, were musicians in high school who smoked tons of weed and kind of it seemed to take over their lives a little bit. Yeah, I, for sure. I, I was always I clocked that. You know, it was like this has a 
a depressing side to it. Yeah. Where you aren't so much like making sharp music anymore and you're more so smoking weed all the time. <laughs> yeah. Hell of concerned with that, you know? Yeah. But other than that, I mean, that's the true, that's true of everything, you know, yeah. any kind of thing. I was surprised when like our first couple experiences with the like rap world. Yeah. So you've collaborated with a lot of like pretty successful rappers. Yes. Chance the Rapper, Drake, Kanye West. And you've always felt like it seemed to me like pretty comfortable. I was surprised how thick the weed culture Ooh. was. Limitless weed. Yeah. It was just a cornucopia of weed. Yeah. And everyone was smoking weed yeah. while doing their job. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah, yeah, everyone. Yeah. From tour uh, the tour manager to the sound man. Yeah. Um, tell me, tell me what it was like, like being in that, in, in those kind of rooms. I mean, it was impressive. <laughs> it was like the artist world. People living on the edge. People living in that other world. Yeah. And like, cause that was the, pr that was the valued thing. I mean, I don't know why the tour manager, you know, <laughs> but it was like, everyone was on that. You know, when you, when you're in a world where the most important thing in your life is a dude who raps on the mic about crazy shit who makes rhymes <laughs> you know like yeah. who has a gift for that yeah the, every priority is different i feel like every yeah. every like every angle is different and so that's i think i think the most positive thing i took from it was that i was, I was like oh shit this is a world where the most important thing is like the vibe the most important thing is like the uh that zone yeah. You know, that then I guess it just applies to everyone, but it's also just like, it's a different world. It's well, a totally different world. Discovering the vibe is a, it's a major thing to find out about. Yeah, I didn't know, yeah. I didn't know about the vibe when I was younger. Yeah. You just want to be lost and lost in it. Yeah. You want to be lost. It, it's, it's, a, it, but, but like also, also it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, I, I, I perceived it like that these guys are having a fun time. These guys are having a good time. I yeah. mean, and then also like. I didn't understand it. <laughs> I had never experienced it. Like when you started smoking weed as part of like making music, yeah. what inspired you to make that change? It wasn't because of seeing like Chance work or being on tour with Drake. I yeah had made this record and put years of work into it and wasn't really satisfied with it and then got dropped from the, from the label and then continued to work on it. <laughs> continue to Couple work more years yeah like a, yeah another year another and then and then um the record became kind of like a it was like a like i felt like i was like um shipwrecked at sea and i had like a um float something that floated you know <laughs> like a thing a refrigerator <laughs> floated you know yeah slowly started to take on water yeah but i was still holding on to it yeah, and then it started to 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 drag me under. Yeah, and um, lost said apartment in Chinatown. Yeah, like totally. Yeah, I just started to. I just started. I hit like hard times, I guess, and 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 was very depressed and slowly losing like in in working on this music that had been rejected and been through so many recording studios and stuff. I started to really like lose my sense of direction mm -hmm. uh, with music at all. Did you also hadn't played a show in like two years? Well, yeah. You didn't have any music. Yeah. You didn't have any music to play at a show. Yeah. 
Were you? Did I remember you... playing? Sorry, no. Go ahead. Well, I remember. I remember um, after putting out the "Like a Dream" EP, which was basically like a, the 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 only listenable things or things that could be considered done from that process. Sampler from that uh, refrigerator shipwreck. Yeah, playing a couple shows in New York. The first shows in like years, two years, three years, maybe. Yeah. And I and I and I I was with my girlfriend at the time. We had like uh, the first show was like okay. It was a small show. It was like kind of fun even though I was like so out of it, so down, down and out. And then before the second show, which was a bigger show at the Bowery Ballroom, which was a place I'd played three times before. Um, and we had dinner, we were having dinner and I just like burst into tears in the middle of the restaurant. And like, they'd never done that before. And realized I was completely, completely lost. Like all of the paths that I had been on had led me to this place of complete isolation, confusion, like no drive, no no understanding, no 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 uh, like purpose for what I was doing. I, I and so um, yeah, so I I had to do something. I remember when you walked on at that show, you were you said that something to the effect of, um, "I've had a really hard couple of years." Someone said, "How are you doing?" And I said, "Not so good," or something like that. Yeah, I said, I've been better or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean, it was it was the kind of low that you like almost like had to t- talk about yeah. immediately when, yeah. when you'd met someone. Yeah, and then at some point you left New York entirely. Yes, um, where'd you go then? Uh, went to Wisconsin, and uh, so we did like two weeks at a time, like a, a couple times. Still wasn't out of the woods in emotionally or like um, yeah. mentally. Um, I went out there for a month and, uh, and, uh, I think I was still trying to finish that record. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, are you still trying to finish that? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was so depressed or whatever. And then I remember I called you one time and I was like describing my mental state and yeah. you were like, you need to deal with this first before any of this other stuff is going to go anywhere. Yeah. So I left there, went back to Berkeley, did various things to try to get better, to yeah. try to feel better and not feel so bad. And um, one of those things was MDMA therapy, mm-hmm. which I, which is a drug I had never done before. Yeah. I only mention it because I talked to all my friends before, like the the like I I, I did everything. I was in therapy and I was in yeah. Uh, 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 I went to a psychiatrist was prescribed yeah. those kind of drugs and um and I did do all I did it all fully because I was like fully like in fully in surrender to yeah like needing to get better and yeah. so I was like totally laid myself out for and then and this this was one of the things that like was like an option for something to try to do yeah and I talked to all my friends and everybody was like don't do it <laughs> yeah you know that's definitely what I said yeah like that's not what you need right now you know yeah and did it had a completely like uh, life-changing experience what was the experience like well first of all the person that um guided me through this experience was a was a professional at what they did mm-hmm. very good at what they did completely sober the entire time sure uh it was a day-long experience you take Preceded, ecstasy repeatedly throughout the no, day or just or one just once but yeah. you're in the therapeutic setting for the whole day. The entire time in a therapeutic setting. Yeah. And um, so the experience for me was as as though for the first time 
in a in that in that I could remember um, feeling compassion for myself, feeling like I hate saying that because it sounds so like I don't like that word the, aesthetically, but for the first time, in empathy s- for you, feeling empathy for myself. That's what it is. That's what it is. Like like being depressed in the way that I was and being in that way is literally like being in a, in a, I, th- I think of it as being in a glass case, Yeah, which, which I know doesn't really make sense, but it's, it's just that thing of literally not being able to see out, see not be everyone. Everyone can see in, but you can't see out Yeah, or something like that. Like you, you, you are in the grips of something you are in inside something and you cannot, un, you cannot see that you are, Yeah, you know, from inside it. And this was a, it was as it was like a tool that was like, hey, for 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 three hours, you can see inside it, and you can see that you're just a person. You're like, you're afraid. You're you're you are like you are you're trying really hard at life, and you're doing like a just fine job. You know, yeah. As far as thing these things go, it's a difficult thing to feel. It's an, it's like almost impossible to to really feel. You know, yeah, yeah, to feel that that, that like, MDM day, you know, that feeling of uh, acceptance and of the fog uh, being wiped yeah. from the window of of the the glass cage, yeah, um, did that persist after it did. the effects wore off? It did. Like, I'm interested in the like one day, one week, one month, yeah. one year. Like, how do how does those how does a, a profound experience like that? like radiate through throughout time for you. Yeah, I mean, I think after like a like a few days I would start to question whether it was still there. Yeah. But but because I think because of the uh, I think that the the way the that the, these sort of th- things are designed, it was like a little movie that happened. Yeah. Like the the place the place was like very memorable. There was like a fire there was a lot about it that was easy to access. Sounds like it's get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was the sound of a teacup rattling. <laughs> yeah. It was like for, 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 for the whole, I think for like at least a year, I was like able to like put, like go back there in a way and be like, Oh yeah. I remember when I was lying in that bed, I felt this way. Yeah. You know? And I, Oh yeah. Right. And I, and I would like, repeat some of the motions that I was like doing with my fingers at the time. It was like easy yeah. for me to kind of transmutate back into that. So you could state. access like a, a place. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, um, I mean, yeah, I, I remember, uh, sh- shortly, shortly after that, I went to Italy and, uh, and, uh, I remember I was sleeping a lot Yeah, uh, and I thought maybe it was jet lag or whatever. And, um, had to kind of go through a little bit of a thing of, Oh shit, am I depressed again? You know? Yeah. And then, had to be reminded that like you it's it's okay even to sleep a lot or like you know there's empathy there too like oh man it's all right you know yeah you know it's kind of like constantly to be reminded of that did um doing mdma and having this positive experience make you uh reflect on your relationship over time with other drugs yes uh what did you what were you thinking well um i wasn't afraid anymore of it I saw that clearly it could be a good thing in the right context. Yeah. You know, uh, drugs. Sure. I mean, I, I, I had done mushrooms before that. Yeah. That was the drug that I sort of was sort of checking out a little bit. Yeah. So I already sort of felt, but there was something about the way the, 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 
something about the the feeling was something about it was like, huh, maybe this isn't something to fear. Maybe this is something to to see what it's like. I, I also sort of like through that experience, I kind of I kind of started thinking about it like everything changes you. I think with someone like like me, where where I had these bad experiences with smoking weed, and then and part of that experience was like thinking I had gone crazy. And then also being into songwriting, which was like what like like that thing of trying to trying to get to access this this thing that is very mysterious and yeah. kind of un, unreliable. A secret you know? place. Yeah. You sort of like you, you start you sort of protective of it, sort of like at least I was like scared yeah. scared that someone was gonna mess it up. Yeah. So that that some change in in my was gonna keep me from from being able to get there. Cause I didn't understand what got me there. What would it get me there anyways? Yeah. And then, and then after this experience with MDMA, I was, I was like, oh shit, like everything changed, every being depressed was changing me. Yes. You know, uh, living in New York for five years affected me yeah. significantly, you know, being on tour with Drake, like all this stuff, all these things were uh, all these things. And then life constantly, constantly changing, constantly changing. I, I think I fear the opposite thing, which is that if I were to stop smoking weed, uh-huh. It would interfere with my existing, like the existing place my brain needs to go creatively just because oh, yeah. I'm used to it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm used to, uh, like every time we've been writing songs, yeah. you've been not smoking weed and I've been smoking weed. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, but yeah, you yeah. did start smoking weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me about that. All right. First time I smoked weed and really enjoyed it, I was in the studio and I we, the, these girls were doing dabs. So I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I freak out if I take one hit of weed, but by all means, mainline as much weed as possible into me. Yeah. Um, I really liked it. Yeah. I really liked, I really like felt it. Um, we listened to some music. Yeah. And that was totally revelatory. Totally amazing. Cause I, cause so much, I, I, all in that moment, I was like, oh my God, this music is made made to be listened to this way yeah that was that's exciting to me because i i want to know everything about music you know Mm -hmm. and like how people make it and like what do you remember what you were listening to everybody always asks me i can't fucking remember you never can remember (laughs) i mean that's an interesting idea like wanting to hear music that's something i definitely identify with which is i have really like deep like experience well of listening to music stoned yeah Yeah. and um whether it's made that way or not i i kind of actually do agree with you on that front but once you've like once you've already had like a incredible experience with something you don't want to like never have that experience again sure um so and just to clarify, like some, not all music is made, and not, you know, even if it, you know, music isn't made to be experienced any particular way, but yes. some of it is made super stoned. Yes. And therefore it's pretty interesting to listen to super stoned. Yes. That's all, you know? Yes. It's an interesting experience. Across, across genres Absolutely. of music. Yeah. Did you play music? Yes. So something that, that had um, left me was the childlike joy of listening to and playing music, which is like, it's like, it's, it's too bad to, to that, that life would have done that to me, you know? Yeah. And it was so beautiful to like, get it back, you know? Cause it feels like none, nothing matters. None of the like fame or the amount of people in the audience, you know, <laughs> or like, 
any of that stuff really matters. It's like there's there's something completely personal about it that's um, the best thing about it. I think it's the, I think it's the best. It's why people love it. You know, it happens in your mind. So playing music is like is listening to music too. You know, so it was like kind of like a it was a total like getting back and getting back connected with this thing somehow that and 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 that that I that that was the most important thing to me as a person in a new way maybe that's maybe you know it was new yeah you know it's a new way to experience things being stoned and this is coming off of being stuck on like a single album that yeah. you were not able to finish for a period of years yeah 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 where there wasn't a lot of um new things yeah coming. yeah so like specifically i um i f- I, I, fi- I find it easier to practice slowly. It can be good or bad, but like hearing pitch is um, really enhanced. Like I started pitching the sounds of drums in ways that I, I, I'd always done that, but I started getting really into it and realizing the slight changes of uh, changing the pitch of like a snare drum or a hi-hat, uh, aligning it with the harmony of the music just just because of because it, because it was easier to zone in to like, it's almost like music is a place. It's like a room, you know, and the different sounds are different objects in the room. Mm-hmm. And we are not in that room. We are in our, whatever room we're in and we're in our bodies and we're in, you know, we're in wearing the clothes we're wearing and we're like the age we are. And, you know, mm-hmm. but like when you're working on music, you kind of want to just be in, in the, in the, the music room. Yeah. You know, you kind of want to just be there. Yeah. And so I don't know what it is about, about smoking, but it's like, it just seems to like put a little bit of a tunnel, you know? I think of it a little bit about having a pure experience that's almost outside of uh, culture and, and cultural assumptions. Yeah. Or like how uh, a melody uh, makes you feel. You yeah. Know? You have to how be. How a sound makes you feel. You have to be very, very like clued in to the immediate experience because when you hear a Drake song on the radio or anyone's song on the radio, you're hearing all of these extremely minute choices yeah, being made by people detail, specifically drake's stuff is so detailed yeah something about it really opened me up to that like to the the joy in making those those fine decisions yeah from that moment i i think i smoked every day so then you started smoking a lot of weed yes sir yeah so i mean you're already like kind of an extreme person fair like you can push yourself to extremes yeah in a variety of uh, avenues, some of which we yeah. Explored, how would you uh, some of which what, we've explored what, in this show? Right, right, right. Um, what makes me what what defines that as? I think well, you're the my first clue of that was that you're willing to sink your entire life into to one thing. Sure, that's the most extreme thing you could do. Yes, and then there's a bunch of things that are extreme on the side of that. Like, uh, you know, I've seen you many times. I don't think I've ever seen you having a a bed larger than a single until you were about 30 years old. Um, but I also just think that the things that you're interested in, you're usually obsessively interested in. And you have almost no interest in like other topics that you have middling interest in. Um, so I, I think of you as an extreme person in almost everything you do. And I think that's probably why like over time I've discouraged you from being curious, like trying drugs. Drugs are not something you want someone to have an extreme experience right, with, you right. know? Yeah. If you if you use drugs and they make you feel crazy, 
then that's like a good like time to pump the brakes. You know, I think your jazz camp experience sure. was like yeah, telling yeah. you the proper thing, which was like, it's not for you, man. Yeah. Like come see me in a f- couple decades, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but what was the experience of like starting to smoke weed in, in your thirties? Like, I think I very quickly became, um, addicted to it. I mean, it's crazy. It's pretty amazing to go from, I have a lifelong fear of smoking weed because it makes me crazy to, Hey, take these dab hits to, I, then I smoked weed every day from then on. That's yeah. like a, yeah. that's a big shift. I, uh, I didn't smoke the leaf <laughs> for a while. I was only doing the dab, the dab. I would, uh, classify that as more extreme. Yeah. Right. I remember you telling me like, Hey, like careful. That's, you know, more stronger than. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, I think I had been depressed for like a long time. Yeah. And the euphoria of it, the escape of it, because I was for some reason at this time really open to that was like the greatest relief. It was just great. It mm-hmm. was just like, I felt like I had denied myself like for my whole life, uh, enjoying life. Mm. And I was enjoying it at that time, at this time that we're talking about. And not only that, I was writing and recording some crazy music that felt like it was finally like on some new shit, you know? Yeah. I was like, just willing to like stay there. It had its negative sides through the, like I was pretty spaced out the entire time. And I remember for the first time I remember, I remember the first time I experienced um, it hurting like a personal relationship because, because the unpredictability of it, stepped in a little like when I when you're when I, I I was by myself a lot too. I was I was really experiencing it on my own. Mm. You know? It's like looking at the sunset by myself or like practicing the piano for like five hours, like super stoned by myself. You know, no one to worry, no one in the building to worry about the noise or whatever. I mean these are like ideal situations for me anyways, you know? But like also to be free from uh from that like judgment. I don't know why 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 the why it gave me that. I mean, I think it's common for it to kind of free you up a little bit from like self-judgment a little bit. Self-consciousness. Self-consciousness, self-consciousness. Yeah. To be unconscious in a little bit of a way. It was like, and then, and then, and then I have so much, I have so much energy that I, that, um, like I, like I'll practice for like five hours or like work on, work on the recordings for like 10 hours or something like that, you know, or realize it was like nighttime to go to bed, you know, and, and I had been working all day. So, and then, oh yeah. And then, then, then I also, I remember when I noticed that it, that it, that it could make me very irritable or like snap. And then to wonder whether it was cause of the, cause I was high that I was like acting. Cause I, I could be like that always <laughs> anyways, you know, yeah I've always like, I've always, that's something I really thought about when I was like, oh, I'm, now I'm smoking weed all the time. I'm like 32 years old, 33 years old. I've never smoked before. Like, what if it changes me? Like, you know, what if I start acting crazy? you know, yeah. or acting di- weird or different, you know? And then when I was like, super, like, like all of a sudden to be someone who was like high all the time, I was like, Whoa, I'm cra- I was crazy all the time. <laughs> I was like a very strange, very eccentric person, Yeah, you know? And like, like, that's just the way I was. And like, this is like a different, different other kind of eccentric, eccentricism, eccentricity, yeah. you know? And, 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 and it was very liberating in that way. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and then, um, and then, 
the the uh, the social aspect of it. By that I mean smoking with people. Yeah, was like so beautiful to me. The, the all the rituals associated with it, um, I like I endeared them endeared to me themselves yep. to me. Like um, having not only just like you know I used to smoke cigarettes here and there, and I used to really enjoy the social part of that. Like yep. it was it was literally a uh, the one of the only reasons to just go outside with someone and talk to them for five minutes. Yeah, and, and there, I didn't. I, there's nothing. There was nothing else like that. But to be able to do that and also have like a psychedelic experience with that person in in the same at the same time, yeah, you know, have that conversation like turn into like an hour long conversation where like defenses get dropped and like you know that was I'd never experienced that before. I'd never experienced that before, and so so it was profound, you know, and and then when I started w- finishing my record or getting to that stage with it, that's when I really started to like get into it and get up in the morning and like go down, like roll myself like two joints. I never, I would never have to smoke very much. I had such low tolerance, like smoke like a, like a little bit of it and then go to work and work for like four hours, five hours on, on the music. Yeah. Writing, I would like write obsessively in this like journal of like the next task to be done. Like also had a whiteboard, like the next task to be done. Like, and then I would like listen and I'll be like, okay, I'll listen. Like, okay, I'm going to smoke a little bit more and then listen again, you know? Yeah. And then, and then every, and then once every like three months, I would get too high and like have to call you and (laughs) freak out exactly the same way as at jazz camp, exactly the same experience. Yeah. Did that, did that, I mean, did that give you pause that you were still having freakouts? Yeah. Several times uh, over the the two or or so years that I that I got into smoking weed, I I was like, whoa, I sh- I should stop. You know, this is bad. Yeah, this is like affecting me um, negatively. And I would tell all the people around me that, and people would suggest, oh, maybe you should stop for like a few days, you know, and like or or build it into build a pattern where you like smoke for like three days and then take four days off or vice versa. Never did it. <laughs> I never did it. I I I I remember I stopped for a week when uh, I had I was heavy in a lot of business sort of negotiations and like it was a lot of phone conversations that needed I needed to really be on my on the point. Yeah. And I remember like all right I'm gonna stop for a week just just so I can like take care of all this stuff. Also I was I couldn't believe how how I never I never had to buy it. <laughs> Everywhere I would go, people would offer me weed. I think that had been going on my entire life, or my entire life as a musician, you know. Yeah. But but I never quite noticed how what it was that was like. Yeah. But yeah, the entire time, never. And, and 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 so I remember. I remember one time I went to London and um, happened to be uh, staying at the this beautiful flat in Kensington High Street. And the fellow whose flat it was said I could stay there. He wasn't going to be there, and he was like, "But my friend." is also going to be there. And just so you know, he's a weed dealer. (laughs) (laughs) So I ended up staying with this guy for like six days and his weed was the strongest weed I've ever smoked. And it was like, and I I remember he was like, the first thing he said was like, Hey man, you want it? You want it? Should I roll one? And I remember when I was on the airplane on the way there, I was like, I think I'll take a little break (laughs) when I get to London. Yeah. And then, and I remember at that moment I was, I I was like, well, I could just say yes. And, and then I, and then I was like, I think, I think I'm at that point where it's no longer like the f- new, 
Yes. I, that was the moment. It had yeah. been about a year. Yeah. And I was like, this is no longer new experience. Says this is me needing to smoke weed every day. And if or, that's somewhat un- inescapable in the world of music and particularly inescapable in the world of music in Los Angeles. Sure. Yeah. Um, which is where you ended up. True. You put out this record, which is really like the first thing you've had out since this terrible experience culminating in this uh, being on stage saying, I'm not doing very well. Um, kind of an odyssey. Tell me, tell me about what it was like to, to bounce back. Man, it was good. <laughs> Better than not bouncing back. It was, it was um, for, for quite a while, I kept saying to myself, I never imagined that things would be this good. The music itself was like, I've, I've finally got like some, the sound that felt greater than the sum of its parts. And then um, I, was feeling, um, I was feeling very open to the world uh, for the first time, I think. I was defining what I was trying to do based on like what was in front of me and what, what, what I was like saying yes to, you mm. know? And like that led me like all these places I never imagined I could have gone. I was into the new, to some new stuff. I started going swimming. <laughs> And, uh, well, how do you, what kind of swimming do you like? I like to get, I like to get into, well, I like to get super duper stoned <laughs> at the time and, uh, and always get in and up thrashing around a lot and like sort of, you know, like people normally do in the pool, you know? Yeah. And then, and then, but then once it sort of like gets settled, it's like I stand in the middle of the pool where the, uh, where the water comes up to your nose and then breathe only through your nose and then stand there and then turn off all the jets so that uh, there's no uh there's no um nothing moving in the water yeah. yeah sit stand there until it's completely still and then try to balance on my tiptoes <laughs> for how long as long i mean as long as it's like it's like it's like endlessly fascinating to me yeah and uh and then i start you start cuz i i start to realize like there's so many like if i'm sitting there in the pool right yeah Let's say I have my arms outstretched, right? Yeah. And I have my palms open and I'm standing on my tiptoes, let's say. Not even my tiptoes, like the ball, my, the ball, the toes. And, and the water's perfectly still. And, I, and it's up to my nose so that my mouth is underwater. Right? How many different ways could I tip myself over? <laughs> How many ways? Can <laughs> lots you and lots of ways. <laughs> yeah. Like I could, I could, I could flip my right, my right paddle, you yeah. know, you just flip it a little bit. Yeah, I tip over. People listening can't see the thing you're doing. I'm flipping paddle. my right paddle. <laughs> <laughs> or I could like just without even breathing. Yeah, I could uh, bring some water into my mouth, like like lips puffed out. Yeah, and then blow it out like a puffer fish. You know, like like a fish. Blow that water out, and then you would tip backwards. You know. Yeah. And then uh, and on and on and on and on. Oh, another way: tilt your head back. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So I started digging on that. And then also, then that was like a way form of exercise too, because you end up like activating all your muscles if you really want to like do it. I started like getting me into more, into new ways of dancing mm. through this. And, I, and um, oh my God, uh, that's that, that in LA in last year, February, March, I started to like, I was, I was still smoking weed a lot, LA weed. That, yeah. And I was dancing and I was I started getting into some crazy 
new ways of dancing. <laughs> what kind of dancing? Well, this would be a kind of dancing where um, I was, uh, I would be like walking in place and I would realize that first of all, dancing is moving on beat, you know? Yeah. I mean, you don't have to move on beat and you could be called dancing, but I started, I, th- I started thinking like, I think good dancing is when you're moving on beat. And I think that's why there's so many different fucking crazy kinds of dancing. Cause you could do anything. And if it's on beat, it, it, that's, that's, uh, that's, uh, stimulating. That's, you know, that's like to the people watching. Yeah. They're seeing like a body move on a rhythm. It right? gives you that feeling of like the people on YouTube who like, like, like videos of people like crinkling like a bag or yeah, something. Yeah, and that, yeah, yeah. That it, sets it, their brain triggers off. It, triggers You're that saying thing. that dan- that moving your body on the beat is the like universal trigger. Universal. Yeah. Universal. I mean, so much so that like you can, that I was starting to get, get trigger myself, like looking at myself in the mirror. Like if I, if I, re- I was turning myself on, <laughs> but like, I know it sounds crazy, but yeah, but it's really hard to, to move on the beat. Yeah. Cause if you think about it, everything, and you've got a lot of experience, every move, every movement that you make, it goes like forward and backward or it goes in a circle, right? Yeah. There's no movement that doesn't mean you also move it back. You know? Yeah. Like you, if, if, if you punch your head, your hand in the air, like fucking Saturday night fever, you know? You have to bring it back down, <laughs> and, each, and 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 so so you could hit it right on the beat, but do you bring it down on the beat? Right, you know. And then once you bring it down, does it stop on the beat simultaneously while you're um, developing both uh, pool aerobics technique <laughs> and dancing technique? Yeah. Um, you also started working with other artists, like oh, going yeah. into the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The weekend went in the studio with him, and just like got on the mic, started singing. By that point, I was just like going in and like rolling my own joints, like like by myself, you know. Yeah. And then go like like suggest shit. I uh, went into the studio with Kanye West for the first time. Got invited by a uh, by Nico Siegel. Everyone, Chance was there. The whole Chance crew was there, and just went crazy. Just like on my own volition, like set up my keyboard. Ye did a vocal take, and then I was like, "What if I did my thing on that?" And just like one take just went for it. And then they invited me, he invited me back to the studio for like two weeks, went and went to his house the whole time, just so high. <laughs> and there were times in this in the studio with Ye where I was super duper high. And I was like, how is this possible? And then I would just be like, hey man, just run with it. Yeah. You know? Hey, it's fine. Yeah. You know, like clearly it's okay. So let's just like ride this. This was like a ride. I was like, I was, it was like, Hey, let's just ride it. Yeah. You know, what was the most memorable of all the collaborative experiences you had during that period? And by far that first one with Kanye, but every single one with Kanye was completely memorable. Mm -hmm. Every time I was in the studio with him, it was completely memorable and like life changing learning experience. The most memorable was when I was in the studio with Kanye West and Jay Z. Whoa. And me and Noah, the engineer, and that was it. I didn't know he was gonna show up, and then when he showed up, Jay, that is, he came in, and then Noah had to go pick up Kanye. So it was just me and Jay Z by ourselves. <laughs> and then I was there in the room while they recorded uh, "Pop Style," Drake song, the Drake song. 
And I made a fool of myself a lot of the time too, because I was so unhinged. <laughs> like I, 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 at one point in that uh, session, they were talking about the length of records, you know, eight songs, nine songs, 10 songs. And I was like getting some Chinese food in the corner. And I was like, you know, the Lady Gaga record was only seven songs. <laughs> and everybody just kind of looked at me and they were like, what record? And I couldn't remember what the name of it was. <laughs> and then they were like, all right, man. <laughs> I was like, uh, I guess I was kind of a bad example. And then like 10 minutes later, like enough time so that the conversation had kind of moved on. Yeah. They were talking about something else. I was like, Thriller was only eight, nine songs. <laughs> and, they were, and, then, and then they all looked at me and then Jay was like, that's a better example. <laughs> but thinking back on it now, I'm like, the, the, the guts to like just start yelling stuff about that kind of thing. I don't know. Uh, so that period in your life kind of like closed out, like you went on tour. We went on tour with Chance the Rapper. Yeah. Um, I also fell in love at that time. And you fell in love. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? No, I don't. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, so a lot of things happening. A lot, a lot of things, things that will happening. change your life. Yes. Um, I definitely remember realizing that you were smoking like a ton of weed. I think I realized that when we were mastering the record. Mastering? Um, your record, Farewell Star. Oh, no, no. We were mastering Mi the song Friends. Oh, yeah. Because we had to oh, get had it out for the music the video. Yeah, yeah, There was yeah. a bunch of people in the room. Yeah. And you just rolled up like a like cigar-sized joint. And I was like, oh man, like this is a really important thing Francis is doing right now. Right. This is like the first thing you can't go back on or anything. Yeah. When did it start like not feeling great? Around you? that time. Mm. At, at that session. <laughs> it's good that we both pinpointed the exact same moment. Yeah, well, because because I, I also I wasn't fully composed. I was really stressed out. I was like, damn, somehow. I have become completely like dependent on this thing, like beholden to this thing and also being kind of ruined by this thing, like in some way, you know? Mm. And then like, you know, also mixed in with that, like having great, great moments with it. Like yeah, fucking came back. I mean, it came back when I, when I really fi finished the record, I, I, I was like by myself again. I sort of found that ritual again, like like I had had at Justin's house. Like get up in the morning, like roll a joint, go swimming, come back, smoke a little bit, work on a song, you know. And it's sort of I remember like feeling so happy that I was like back in touch with like that part of it, getting deep into the music, getting into that graphical sort of yeah representation of the music, and like learning, like getting better. I felt like I was getting better, and like. And then when we went on the chance tour, it was all out the window. <laughs> <laughs> we let we let. I feel like we let. Did we let ourselves go? I feel tour? like we let ourselves go in every way. Like I gained, like I started eating fucking like like the, the most nasty catering food. I'd eat like catering cake at every meal. Oh man! And yeah, we were uh, and we were smoking. Like we were smoking a lot of weed. Tons of weed, and also like. I mean, we were both a, we were both in a stress like a uh, stressful experience. Yeah, yeah, we, were um, out too. we didn't really know what we were doing. I know that for you, after you got back from that, like a bunch of things kind of changed in your life, yes. and that and that was kind of uh, the end of an era. For it you. was, yeah. Um, tell me about that. After the Chance tour, and after putting out that the record, 
many of the things that I dreamed of had come to be in a, in a form recognizable enough to me that I, I just felt it as like significant. I think that after every time I've uh, put out a record, I've gotten really depressed and not known what the fuck to do next. I haven't put out that many records, but I think that my life has been framed by these ups, these ups and downs, and that they that that they seem to be on they seem to be on the schedule of uh, of uh, creating and releasing work. I think that the way forward is to continue to like let go and to find again or in whatever way I need to find now the like empathy for this person. Mm. This person who's smoked weed for two years and doesn't like is in a different frame of mind because of it. What advice would you give to like a young person or not? Uh, let's let's not say a young person. <laughs> any person who, who who had experiences like yours had like uh-huh. um, smoked weed and freaked out. Oh yeah, but also found like was also curious that like maybe be it marijuana or your experiences with. MDMA in a therapeutic setting. Yeah. Like, what well, what is your experience like led you to to maybe think for someone who who has similarities to you? Mm. Like when we were talking about the jazz camp, like I, I, had, I had one experience there that affected my entire life. Yeah, where I was uh, wandering around and I I, I, I went to the um, concert amphitheater where they had a nine foot grand piano, Steinway grand piano. And it was like 11.30 at night or maybe later. It was like midnight or something like that. I was wandering around and I went up there and I sat down at the piano. I started like jamming on the piano, like playing some stuff, you know? And one of the teachers walked by who was was a um, good teacher. His name was Dred Scott. And he was like, hey man, he happened to walk by. He was like, hey man, hold on a second. He sat down next to me and he was like, you're sitting at a nine foot grand piano that's perfectly in tune. You won't get to sit and play an instrument like this very much in your life. Listen to the way it sounds. Play a, play a note and listen to it. Listen to it start, take your hand off of it, listen to it end. Listen to like the beautiful mechanics of this fine instrument. And so I did, I was like, so, so, so I played a chromatic scale. He helped me like one note at a time. And I don't know, I thought that was good advice. We've got to get Francis Starlight back on the show. It'll happen soon. Uh, as soon as I get through with this book, uh, I think I'm supposed to see him in the next couple of months. Uh, this season was great. Thanks to Justine Dom for uh, producing and editing the show. Thanks to Francis for doing the theme song. It's a cover of It's So Nice to Get Stoned by uh, Ted Lucas and uh, thanks also to Mickey Duje for doing the branding and thanks to all the guests who came on and thanks to the good people at 10 Speed for telling me hey you should do a book and this book is going to be great I'm very excited about it if you're curious send me an email hi at stoner.co but as soon as I have a release date I will definitely let all of the listeners know thank you so much for listening and see you soon